Travis Wingfield. I'm ready to go in, coach. Just give me a chance. I know there's a lot riding on it, but it's all psychological. Just got to stay in a positive frame of mind. You are Locked On Dolphin, your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphin, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami! What is up, Dolph fans, and welcome into the Thursday, May the 24th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, sort of a live show here, recording this podcast, going to put it up right after I'm done with it. Back to practice we go as the Dolphins wrap up the first week of OTAs in 2018. We've got more quarterback talk for you guys. Danny Amendola's immediate emergence as one of the top Dolphins receivers, this pass-protecting centric offense. Offensive line, and of course, we'll dive into the press conferences of some of the Dolphins' defensive stars. But first, I have to remind you guys go ahead and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating, leave us a review, helps the podcast get out to more Dolphins, helps the podcast grow. You guys know that drill by now. Follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL, follow the show at Locked On Fins, and check out LockedOnDolphins.com. We have the written content for you guys up there right now on the OTAs, as well as a great piece on Michael Thomas by Jason Harina, one of our other best writers over at Locked On Dolphins. And of course, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts, like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. And just before we get going today, I got to update you guys on softball once again. We played last night. Two notes for you guys. We swept this team again. It was We, we have an all-star team. It's, it's kind of embarrassing, actually, how bad we beat teams. I had a very good night myself, batting leadoff once again, went seven for nine, a couple of doubles, had a triple in there as well. So just really spreading the ball up and down the left and right field lines. I love going opposite field. But my biggest note is the fact that I I go to the gym relatively regularly, probably three, four, five times a week on a good week. And a few years ago, I cut out cardio altogether. I just kind of stopped doing it because as far as looks go, I feel like my body looks better when I just lift weights and don't do the cardio. But man, I'm 30 years old now, and I saw Rashad Jones talk at practice today, or at OTAs. I saw Cam Wake out there working out. I see these all these guys that are 30 plus, and granted, they're professional athletes. I'll give them that. But I cannot withstand a freaking softball doubleheader and not be sore the next day to save my life. It, it drives me crazy. I'm hoping to get back and better. This is the second doubleheader. We are 4-0 now, off to a very good start. But you guys aren't here to hear softball talk. You are here to hear Miami Dolphins talk, and that's what we're going to go ahead and get into right now. That's another Miami Dolphins. So on first down on the Locked On Dolphins podcast here, I want to talk about the defensive press conferences that just occurred about 10 minutes ago. They wrapped up with Raekwon McMillan. We had Rashawn Jones and Xavier Howard all went today. And let's go ahead and just go with the top on down, starting with Xavier Howard. And the most interesting note that he dropped on the press conference was talking about his lack of knowledge of the game coming into being a professional coming into Miami and how he was having kind of a rough time and and he was frustrated trying to learn the game certain techniques and certain tendencies that you have to apply every single day as well as finding out your opponent's weaknesses and all the stuff that goes into being a prepared athlete and prepared professional and he feels like it took him some time to get up to that level because of this and this is the line that really struck me as crazy because he was a big 12 major division one college football player he said he didn't study tape in college he said he rarely studied tape in college and just relied on his athletic ability to get the job done and it makes me wonder because this is a Chris Greer product this is one of the guys in Chris Greer's first draft and we all love what Chris Greer has done in these three draft classes that he's put together for us so far but they talk about 
on that Yahoo article that I've referenced a million times now, how one of the biggest things about their job is finding out about these guys personally and what kind of guys they are in terms of how they prepare themselves to get ready for the game, how they would be as professionals translating to the next level. And while Xavier Howard's a fantastic prototype fit, he was exactly the kind of guy you would build when you want to fit the prototype for this Miami Dolphins defense at the cornerback position. But I just couldn't believe that they would let that something like that skate through and trade up to go get a guy that it openly admitted that he didn't really study tape in college. But now it seems like he is. Hopefully they kind of took that into perspective and he was such a good guy otherwise and a good young man and a good character and all the stuff that you want to see from a young draft pick. Hopefully he aced all that and that allowed them to say, well, we can get him in the right in the right way, doing the right things with some of our veteran guys, and then we'll get him up to speed doing that way. And hopefully in year three, it's all clicking. He's finally got some experience under his belt. If he really busts out, that would be such a huge, huge boon for this defense. And going back into the secondary and with a guy with a lot more experience, Rashad Jones, you just watch this guy talk and they talk to him about the fact that he was 30 years old, the fact that he's coming into his ninth year as a Miami Dolphin. And he kind of like, it kind of hit him, I think, when they asked him that question. He was just very kind of taken back by it. And they asked him questions about the ring of honor and what it means to finish his career as a Dolphin. And he, he said he loves it in Miami. And he got very, very excited about the idea of finishing his career here. And it just makes me really appreciate what him and both Cameron Wake have done for this team for so long now, both coming onto the team right around the same time. Obviously, one is 35 and one is 30 years old. Nonetheless, two huge contributors, two superstars of the league that just do not get enough recognition. But one of the comments that Rashad made that was really stood out to me, we'll get to that here in a second, but first he talked about the culture feeling different, said that there's a better feel in the locker room, more energy in the locker room says there are great guys in house they brought in lots of changes and he loves the changes he loves Tony Oden his new secondary coach his new defensive backs coach he says he can tell that he's genuine he's a family man and they have a great time in that meeting room when they all get together and it's like a big happy family in there so that's good to hear we talked about Tony Oden a lot as well as Ronaldo Hill I think that that alone is going to have a big impact obviously Mika Fitzpatrick as well on the lack of communication and all the breakdowns they had in 2017. But let's talk about the biggest note from his entire media availability. These ones were short. It wasn't the Tannehill 15-minute one like we all got to experience yesterday. But they asked Rashad Jones what his reaction was to the Dolphins drafting a safety in the first round, and he said, it's about time. And that can be a little bit out of context because he just mentioned that they hadn't drafted a safety high in a long, long time. And maybe he does want a running mate back there that can you know, provide more leverage and more freelance ability for what Rashad, jo- Rashad Jones does best. And I think that's kind of where he was coming from there. And you can tell he just loves Minka Fitzpatrick already. So that's going to be a very fun relationship to watch grow and blossom with the grizzled veteran, all pro Rashad Jones and rookie phenom Minka Fitzpatrick. And the last guy to speak was a guy that has just gotten so much praise heaped on him all off season for a rookie that didn't even play a snap in 2017. I'm talking, of course, about linebacker Raekwon McMillan calls himself the Mike. He wants to be the Mike linebacker. He is the Mike linebacker. He is the guy that players go to when they can't get it figured out in terms of where to line up, in terms of where to find their responsibility and their assignment on a particular play. And he just said that he he really prides himself on having the answers to their question. Don't have a half-ass answer. Don't have a, a I'm not really quite sure. Know your answer and give it to the defense and communicate it with them and get them lined up right. And just you can tell there's a, a very, very authentic 
mindset about this guy and what he wants to do. He talked a lot about Chase Allen. They both kind of came into the program together as rookies, and he said that he really enjoyed watching Chase Allen grow and elevate his game to a guy that can produce on Sundays as Chase Allen did last year, albeit in a limited role. He had some good plays and showed some really good stuff as a two-down run thumper at times, but just hearing him compliment Chase Allen was kind of nice to hear. But one of the things that he also that stuck out to him, and every, they asked all these guys about Ryan Tannehill, and they asked Raekwon about Ryan Tannehill, and he said that they had the surgery on the same day last year, and they came back for rehab on day one at the same on the same day last year as well, and they made, they made it all about competition, whether it was who could run the fastest in the pool, who could walk without crutches first, who could develop the stronger-looking quad muscle. So they made it all about competition, and he basically said that it made the entire process a little bit lighter, and they also said that Isaiah Ford joined in on some of that stuff too. So very good stuff from these guys today. I'm, I'm excited to see where this defense goes. There's a lot of talent and potential. We just got to see it all take hold. But they did ask every single one of them about Ryan Tannehill, which I thought made a lot more sense yesterday with the offensive guys being out there but now they're asking the defensive guys about the quarterback and the good news is they all gave the exact same answer he's a competitor a hard worker always the first one in the building they just could not heap enough praise on him but we're going to talk more about Ryan Tannehill and a potential new security blanket for him next on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. Rolling on on this Thursday May the 24th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast and I don't want to ask for a mea culpa just yet on this guy, but he was one of the free agents that I had the least amount of understanding in terms of what they were doing or what they were going for in terms of signing him. Of course, that's wide receiver Danny Amendola got a two-year, $12 million contract to come in and be another slot guy to compete with Jakeem Grant, Albert Wilson, and the plethora of receivers the Dolphins have. I just didn't see the fit. I I mean, I, I understood what they were going for in terms of having a guy that can get open quickly, make the catches near the line of scrimmage, and do all the things that Tannehill needs to have done to have that high completion percentage to have this team ahead of the chains all that stuff I get that but I thought that there was just better options already in-house to make that happen so I didn't really understand it immediately but then we talked about the fact that he did the whole helmet slam yesterday he brings this level of competition to the team that maybe they didn't have before and it's more about not just being upset with yourself for not getting things done but being upset with a lack of production from the offense or the team in general And he can bring that mentality to the practice field every single day and get more out of guys because the way you practice is what you're going to see on Sunday. So the harder you practice, the more stressful you make on yourself on practice days makes Sundays the fun and easy part of the day. So I I see the fit there, but it seems like him and Ryan Tannehill have developed this connection already very early on. And if you can get that going, you can get a security blanket for Ryan Tannehill again going forward, replacing Jarvis Landry and just having a guy that he can rely on on third and short. We talked about Amendola being so reliable on those third downs and having a very good third down conversion rate. I forget the number. It's on a piece on LockdownDolphins.com. I'll pull it up for you guys later. But Danny Amendola was one of the best in the NFL at converting third downs on third and short. So a very reliable pass off can win routes immediately, can beat one-on-one coverage, can go in and out, do both of those things from the slot position. So Tannehill spoke very highly of him. The players have spoke very highly of him. The coaches have spoken very highly of him, just talking about the way these young guys kind of gravitate towards him. So he has a big fit on this offense and on this team. And I think he might have a bigger role than I initially thought he would. And we just got to keep him healthy because his whole career his one issue he's had has been injuries been a very very productive receiver for a long time been on a lot of very good football teams obviously up in New England bring come on down to Miami and kind of bring that mentality with him and hopefully it rubs off on the other guys so that's the idea there and that's if it can compound itself and be an effective 
move on the football field even better. So I'm a little bit more excited about it now. Once again, I don't want to fall for the OTA offseason trope. Once again, it is May 24th. So talking about a receiver having a big impact already seems a little bit disingenuous to what a big impact actually is. But Danny Amendola seemed to have a role and a fit on this offense that maybe I didn't see originally. So Talking about Amendola and his competitive fire, one of the guys on the defense that brings that competitive fire as well is Bobby McCain, the slot cornerback that you guys know that I love so much. One of the top five slot cornerbacks in the league by a lot of metric standards in terms of what Ian Wharton does at the Cornerbook Handbook, as well as PFF and Pro Football Focus. But somebody mentioned it to me on Twitter today that they talked about Bobby McCain getting in a fight with Danny Amendola last year, and he did get ejected from that Patriots game. The first game up in Foxborough, McCain was ejected for fighting with Danny Amendola, and I had kind of forgotten about that. Obviously, the big highlight of the day for McCain was picking off Tom Brady in that game on a very good undercut route over the middle of the football field. But he got into a mix-up and a tussle with Danny Amendola in that game, and I thought the ejection was complete BS. McCain had no business being tossed out of that game, but Amendola kind of instigated it. So I'm just curious to see if those guys still have a little bit of bad blood. Maybe some of that competitive fire boils over. I cannot wait for training camp when they start to get into some full contact and see those two guys go up against each other because you know they're going to do it. They play the same position on opposite sides of the field. So should be a lot of fun to see that. But let's get back into Ryan Tannehill. As I know you guys all love hearing me talk about him almost every single day. But I made a point on Twitter this morning as well, talking about how it seems like the team is kind of building him up to be the star of the team. And it goes back to all the social media stuff, all the videos, all the hype stuff, looking at Ryan Tannehill and basically putting the team around him, making this team his. And that seems to be the theme of the OTA camp so far, talking about Ryan Tannehill as a leader, kind of being the guy that bounces around the practice field with a bunch of energy and juice and getting guys in the right situations, understanding the play call, communicating the offense with the guys around him. And yeah, this offense and this team for the most part can be considered somewhat of a no-name offense or no-name team, but so was that no-name defense of the Dolphins back in the 80s. So it's not like it's a bad thing. You can have guys that just play really well together and have a good team more than just a star power because what has star power gotten the Dolphins over the last decade plus? Not a lot. We've had Brandon Marshall. We've had Ronnie Brown and Ricky Williams. Rashad Jones and Cam Wake are still on this team, have been for a long time. And Dominican Sue was a big-time star. Jarvis Landry was becoming a big-time star. Jay Ajayi, what did it get him? Not, not a whole lot. So I, I'm not worried about having stars. I'm worried about playing good football, and I think this team is ready to do that. But talking about Ryan Tannehill and being the star, if your quarterback is the star, then you're going to be one of those mainstays in the playoffs every single year. And it's kind of interesting to see all these beat writers are kind of starting to buy in on Ryan Tannehill, which... It hasn't that hasn't been the case. I saw an article from Armando Salguero pumping up Ryan Tannehill. Joe Shad is all in on Ryan Tannehill. And I think I might have something to do with that because Joe Shad kinda we talked about it last year on the podcast and he he's really taken a step from there in his belief in Ryan Tannehill as well. Jason Leiser of the Palm Beach Post also had a piece talking about Ryan Tannehill. And I think the last time we had the beat writers all buy in on a quarterback collectively like this wasn't that long ago. It was last summer and we all got Jay Cutler. So how good is it? What does it mean? I don't know if it means anything, but it's cool to see. But the best case scenario for Miami and some fans don't want this to happen, which is just mind boggling to me, is that Ryan Tannehill becomes the star, becomes the star quarterback. It becomes his team and he is the one driving the bus and that would get them into a really good position to win a lot of games for a lot of years to come. So 
Big stuff for Ryan Tannehill. Hopefully he takes advantage of it and takes that next step. We've got more offense to talk about here on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast, including the pass protection prowess of this offensive line and how much better it has been than in years past on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Lockdown Fins. Rolling into the final segment on the Locked On Dolphins podcast here, you guys all know Chris Kaufman at CK Parrot on Twitter talking about the offensive line's pat pass protection prowess. Easy for me to say, and he been, he wrote a big thread yesterday on Twitter talking about all this stuff, and it's something of a regurgitation going back to what we talked about throughout the course of the offseason and kind of the plan behind what these guys wanted to do in terms of getting the offensive line to pass protect much better than they have in the past, and that's what he talks about in this thread. Now, run blocking can be a bit of a different story, but from a pass protection standpoint, this entire group excels in that area. We talked about Josh Sitton being one of the best left guards at pass protecting in the NFL. Dan Kilgore, we've talked about this as well, and this is a CK idea as well, and that he was very solid from the time that Jimmy Garoppolo got there, one of the best pass protectors in the league at that time, as well as going back to when Brian Hoyer was the quarterback. He really struggled when C.J. Beathard was in, but the entire San Francisco offensive line had those same struggles. It just shows you that maybe the quarterback was holding onto the ball a little bit too long there. You go back to right tackle Jawan James. He was one of the best in the league when he was healthy, albeit a very short season. He was number four out of 35 qualifying right tackles in regards to PFF. And then Laramie Tunzel, Chris writes this tweet, for all the crap Laramie Tunzel gets in his first year playing left tackle, he ranks number 15 out of 35 qualifying left tackles in pressure rate. So not that bad for a guy that everyone thinks was pretty atrocious in year number two and year number one as a right tackle. And then, of course, we go over to the right guard position and Jesse Davis, who is my dude. I love that guy. He really started to step it up towards the end of the year once he found a home at the right guard position, both as a pull option on the play side, sealing off that backside of the edge as well, being the point of attack guy in the running game, but also in pass protection, he has those long arms, a big tall guy, so he can get it done there as well. So very much looking forward to what this offense can do. All these new pieces might take a while to gel, but I think they have the right idea in mind. And that should just about do for today's podcast. Tomorrow, I'm going to list the top 25 Dolphins players on this current roster. So I'm working on that right now. Going to have it for you guys for a nice little fun Friday podcast. You guys can go ahead and tweet at me and give me your results and what you think of my list and what you would do differently. Also on LockedOnDolphins.com, a great piece up on Michael Thomas right now. I know he's a former Dolphin, but very well written from Jason Harina. And of course, all the offense or organized team activities updates up on LockedOnDolphins.com. And let's go ahead and get out of here for this podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. And follow our flagship show at Locked On NFL, both on Twitter and Facebook. Check out LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a terrific rest of your Thursday. We'll talk to you tomorrow with another edition of Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. 